There is so much advice out there about changing your mindset. That's the way to achieve success is to change your mindset. Okay, what the heck does that mean? Yes, of course, we all want to have a positive mindset, but when you feel stuck, that's hard to do. All right, Rosa Montanero is here with a simple exercise that she did herself, and it works. She swears by it. Plus, is it more important to pay off all of your debt or invest? Should you prioritize one over the other? It's the top Googled money question, and we have your answer today. And how do you talk about taxes around the kids? Or should I say, how angry do you get about taxes around the kids? Does it send a subliminal message to them? We'll talk about that today, too. It is all on the Seven Figures podcast, Smart Money Strategies for Women. Thank you so much for making time to listen. I think it's really important that we lean on each other, learn from each other, take the awkwardness out of the money conversation, and have a good understanding of what's out there, what our options are. All right, before we learn about how Rosa changed her mindset, the exercise that she did, let's start the show with No Dumb Questions. No Dumb Questions, Erica Cummings is here like she is every week, CFP at the Harmony Financial Wellness Group at RBC Wealth Management, also host of a Strong Woman for Strong Women podcast. Hi, Erica. Hello there. All right. So, you know, sometimes when I'm trying to uh, plan out what we should discuss here, what mm-hmm. questions people have, I often go to Google. So one of the <laughs> one of the top <laughs> money questions people are Googling is, should I pay off all my debts first before I start investing? What would you say? Well, that is a question that's been coming up quite a bit because there's quite a few stimulus checks that have gone out Mm. over the past year. So people are wondering if I'm bringing in this extra money, and especially when we were in the height of COVID, you couldn't really do anything with it. So we couldn't go on vacations with it. We couldn't really do a whole lot of, you know, fun things. Then it comes down to, okay, if I'm going to be responsible, what should I do with this? In general, the rule of thumb is that you should both pay your debts and invest at the same time. So you should try to consistently contribute to kind of three buckets. So you'll have debt payoff, retirement, which is huge, and then also always having an emergency fund. But we can overcommit to any one of these buckets. So for example, if you overcommit to investing and are only making minimum debt payments, you could wind up paying too much in interest over time. Mm. And this can hamper your ability to buy a home and, and do all those things that we've talked about in the past as far as your credit history and your, your credit score is worth. On the flip side, if you neglect to invest, especially for retirement, you, you know, time is a huge part of the, your success in being able to retire. So the earlier you invest, the better off you're going to be. So if you are constantly paying off debt in lieu of saving for the long term, then you may fall short of your retirement goals. And then that third part, that emergency fund, nobody can argue with what's happened over the past year that people lost their jobs. And we had people that were displaced and had rent and mortgages and all kinds of payments due. And to not have that emergency fund, and you're just sitting there waiting for Congress to pass a stimulus package can be incredibly stressful. So there are a few factors to consider. On the debt side, it really can come down to the interest rate that you're paying on the debt. So if all your debt is considered what we say is necessary debt, so 
I don't really know about good debt, but we have necessary debt and we have bad debt. Necessary debt are mortgages and college loans and car payments. They're not typically terribly high interest bearing debt. Those you may be able to say, I'm not going to pay down my mortgage and not save for retirement. But if you have a credit card that's with a local company or or with um, any of the stores out there, you could be paying 20 to 25% in interest on these cards. So now you're putting yourself in a position where you really want to be on a plan to eliminate that credit card debt as quickly as possible and as disciplined as possible. And this is where you want to try and pay down those highest interest bearing credit cards first. You want to make far larger payments than that minimum. Cause you're just going to, you're never going to be able to pay it down if you're, you'll just end up losing money overall. And also your credit utilization rate is important to think about when you're deciding, you know, how aggressively you want to go after these debts. So the higher your credit balance is, the lower your credit score is. So if you have really high credit balances, you may, that may hamper again, your ability to get a good rate on a car loan or on a mortgage. So you really want to look at what kind of debt you have and how much it's costing you to hold that debt. Okay. All right. And so definitely put money towards the debt, no matter what, Yeah. just depending on how high that number is, how much debt you have, maybe yeah. shave off a little bit more for the debt as opposed to the other stuff. Yeah. And it's really trying to find a good balance. Obviously, okay. if you are just really debt heavy and you have a lot of interest payments, you want to try and pay that down as much as possible. But you want to think about retirement because the earlier you can start saving, the far better off you're going to be. So I always say to do your very best to try and get something into a retirement account. But we also want to make sure that we're when you're balancing the two, if you're paying, if you're paying 20% interest, you're most likely not going to be getting 20% on a consistent basis in returns on your investments. And a lot of people, what I find happens is they have a lot of cash just sitting there and then they have debt. And in that case, you're not earning anything on your, your cash in your savings account. And then you're paying out 15 or 20% in interest. So you want to look at the type of debt you have and you want to see how much you're paying on that debt and then where the funds are going to come from in order to pay it off. And are they, are they earning more? Are they, you know, are there tax considerations if you're going to take that money out? So, Mm. you know, the biggest thing is to look at them as three separate items that emergency fund retirement and tax or uh, debt, but make sure that you're understanding why. So there's not the general rule of thumb is not always the general rule of thumb. It really depends on your situation. Oh, there you go. You said it again. Okay. I know. I know. Well, because I don't want somebody going and taking all their money out of retirement yes, to pay their mortgage off because yeah, mortgage yeah. is okay. okay. <laughs> but you also don't want to go into retirement with, uh, you know, a store card that has maxed out at 25%. Yeah. Okay. All right, Erica, how can we follow up with you then? If we if we do want to figure out if uh, you can hear my dog barking in the background, that's great. Still that working from is home. the times we live could in. You, <laughs> could you hear a little Walter barking? Uh, he barks like an old man too with that old man name. Uh, okay, so if we want to follow up with you and, and figure out what is best for our specific situation, how can we find you? 
You can uh, go to always go to our website that will link you to everything. It's harmonyfinancialwellness.com. We're on Facebook by the same name. You can email me erica.cummings at rbc.com. And we also have the podcast that you mentioned, A Strong Woman for Strong Women. Listen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Awesome. How to shift your mindset, achieve your goals, and be successful. Rosa Montanero is next. Rosa Montanero. And we got to roll that R. <laughs> My 11-year-old can't roll her R's. And I'm like, Lexi, are you freaking Italian or what, girl? My kids make fun <laughs> of me because I can't say ricotta. I have to say ricotta. <laughs> That's right. It's like giada. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, yep. Um, okay. Rosa Montanero. <laughs> Coffee with Coach Rosa. Daily chats to feed your soul. Wellness trainer at Mind Over Platter. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Where, where's Victor? Your little grandson. Tomorrow is Victor Day. <laughs> Let's reschedule for tomorrow. No. He would love it. <laughs> He's a doll. He's a freaking hoot. I love him. When you do your coffee chats, you always invite your uh, grandson in. He's adorable. Yeah. Actually, I have a granddaughter too, Lily. And Lily was always shy and wouldn't get on camera. She's seven now. And then last time I saw her, we were out in, uh, for her birthday and she said, I, are you going to go live? Are we going to go live? I go, oh, okay. So she's getting a little oh. FOMO. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, cute. All right. So now everybody talks about changing your mindset. And that is a big thing for you too. Mm-hmm. What is it? Because I feel like that is such a struggle for us. Like a lot of us are like, okay, yes, I know. I need to change my mindset. But how? Because if you don't feel comfortable with who you are, where you're at, if you're struggling with something, it's almost easier said than done. Change your mindset. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And we have to remember that everything starts in the mind. Right. So so we have um, we have a thought and my thought might lend itself either to a positive or negative feeling that emotion from that feeling is really gonna boost the decision we make. What, what's our next decision in this process? As, and it's often driven by a feeling justified by logic. Then what we're gonna do is take action on that decision, which as we talk about, when you do that enough times, you end up with a reality. So when we talk about how do we create our reality, yes, there's the whole cool manifestation stuff and the vibration stuff, but there's also a loop going on in your head and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So when we say you change your mindset, what we're saying is when you change those thoughts that are going through your head, you know, you're doing it on purpose because you know, it's going to change the emotion, which then is going to affect your decision, hopefully make a better decision And then the results that show up in your life are far better. So when it comes to money, we're looking at, you know, what is my mindset when it comes to money? What is my mindset when we we think about my earning potential? That could be a good one. Uh, And and what is the belief that drives this? Because if I don't change that, here's the thing. Just look at what's showing up in your life right now. Is it what you want? If it's what you want, you're doing great. If it's not what you want, then we need to change something. We have to change your mindset. So is it almost like 
when you're starting to think, oh, woe's me, or oh, God, I feel fat in these jeans, or because I know that's a big piece of this too, because you have mind over platter. So a lot of it, you teach about the overall changing of your mindset and, and living a better life, but also it's it's a lot focused on what we're eating and, and how we're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so are you saying when you have those feelings, just don't even allow yourself to go down that path? I think it's deeper than that. This is good, okay. that's good. So I love digging deep. <laughs> So at first you may need to honor the feelings, right? So, so let's, let's like create a scenario, um, a hypothetical scenario then to make, to make this more realistic. So let's say I have a belief that I I don't have a master's degree. I'll I'll use myself as an example. I do not have a master's degree. I've always worked in a, when I teach workshops, which I've done, I've had really nice opportunities to teach. They've always required a master's degree. But I don't have one. <laughs> and I had a belief years ago that if I really want to be, you know, working in that environment, I'm not going to make money unless I make it the master's degree. I'd say that's the belief. So my mindset is, you know, I'm not marketable the way I am. Let's say people aren't going to pay me X amount of dollars. Now I had to change that belief. And because that belief wasn't serving me, it was just making me feel bad about myself, not try for things that I was fully qualified to do. And um, also kind of sell yourself short. So when someone does pay you, you weren't even negotiating. You know, I wasn't even trying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, that's a that's a real struggle because mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome, yeah. right? I think we all feel that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So now I, um, I realize I have to change my belief, right? My belief needs to be, People value someone with experience and results, you know, and that's worth something. And people are going to pay me based on the results I can provide. And and I started doing that. Now, I didn't make this up on my own. I, Tony Robbins, I love Tony Robbins. And I'm trained in neurolinguistics programming, which is how Tony Robbins is trained. Not that I'm Tony Robbins, but I do love him. <laughs> and I've you learned are a lot. our Tony Robbins. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, that would be fun. Um, just just even a, a, a fraction of the millions and millions he makes. <laughs> but now you tell yourself over and over again, you know, I, I know people out there value people who do what I do. Somebody's going to value the results I bring. And your mind starts after a while after, because repetition and conditioning is how we change the brain, right? How we change the 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 programming of the subconscious mind. So we have to, now there's times where I might feel, I I felt insecure. I felt sad. I didn't believe it. Well, you honor your feelings for a few minutes. You let yourself feel it. And then you say, is this serving me? Is this getting me anywhere? Am I doing something positive because of this? Am I going back and getting a certification if that's what I need? And if the answer is no, I don't need it. And no, it's not helping. I'm just wallowing. Well, then now we got to let it go. We have to release it. And then we recondition it with a new belief. And, and you look for evidence of a belief, by the way. Then, so let's say I decide I want to believe that people are going to pay me based on the results I can provide and not the piece of paper. I want to believe it, but I don't yet. So that's where the mindset's shifting. Well, now what I need to do, if you really want to be good at this, is you find evidence of this. You go look for, I call it reasons to believe, <laughs> find evidence of success. And I'm going to look around and I'm going to say, who is doing really well and didn't do the traditional route? 
well, Tony Robbins, <laughs> Oprah left, didn't even get, she got the, she didn't get the degree before she got the job. She got the job offer before the degree. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of people that are doing extremely well and never got the master's degree. So I'm just using that as my example. I'm not yeah, telling people yeah. it's not valuable. It is. I spent 18 years in career management. So I know how effective um, those beliefs, how, how those beliefs stop people in their tracks. Yeah. And yeah. I also know employers really well from the 18 years of, of career management and they value a good worker and someone they can trust who has the aptitude and the attitude. And, um, and so now I saw all this evidence show up and I'm like, hey, it's true, look at that. And then I got an opportunity to teach for a global organization that said, oh, don't worry about that. Yeah, we have that written there that it has a master's degree, but we've seen you teach. We know you're, you're good in front of a room. We're just gonna teach you to do what we say. <laughs> you have to do it our way. And I'm like, no problem, I could do it your way. And, um, and I, I ended up, you know, now I don't have that belief anymore. So eventually through conditioning and then getting references and stepping out of your comfort zone and taking action, you start yeah. to reformat that record. It's like that record that you scratch over and over again. It can't play the same song the same way, but now you create a new song. That's kind of cool. And that becomes your yeah, reality. You, you just dated yourself talking about the record, huh? Remember huh, Rosa? Remember those days. Remember those days. Dancing in our bedroom <laughs> with our girlfriends. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, that's a, well, yeah. And it's uh, honestly, it probably is a struggle for every single person alive. Mm -hmm. They all have, right? No matter how successful they are, they probably have either lived through that imposter syndrome, yeah. that mindset where that needed to shift, or they're living it now with some area of their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mind over platter. Did that start because you yourself were struggling or how did this originate? So mind over platter is, uh, it was, it's a, it was my journey. It's my a book I wrote based on my journey. And that was, yes, food was love for me. Food was a source of comfort. Uh, I had a very traumatic childhood, to be honest with you. I had a lot of limiting beliefs, a lot of um, a very negative environment. It was very difficult. Um, I was in a body cast when I was 14. I had back surgery and I was, had scoliosis. So I was in a body cast for the good part of a year. So I have every reason to have a real messed up life right now. <laughs> but, but I learned through po the power of positive thinking and the power of the mind that we could actually co-create our lives in many ways. We can, we can change our, our futures if we change what we're programmed with. So my programming, not only about money, but about food was really, really dysfunctional. And as I got older and I've turned my hobby into my profession and my hobby was personal development. And as I mentioned, Anthony Robbins seminars, I've done the board breaks and the firewalks and I love all that stuff. I said, I wanna help people the way I was helped because I really was not, I was in very dysfunctional relationships, very volatile relationships. Oh. I was in a lot of negative, you know, a lot of bad things that I could have kept perpetuating if I didn't stop and change what was going on up here and I didn't have evidence around me to prove me wrong, <laughs> I had to go find it. 
And that's why I'm like, I know I'm a walking, talking example of what we're talking about. And so I lost 30 pounds. Go ahead. What was that aha moment that you're like, that's it. I got to stop this. I mean, you were still, how old were we when you started to change? Well, I'm going to say, well, I had a really good, (laughs) I had a really horrible stepfather that was unstable and, uh, and abusive. So I realized it's, it's, he, because of the things he said to me, there was a point, I was probably like 15-ish, um, where I thought, well, if you're going to just accuse me of being such a rotten person, maybe I should just get in, tr- I should just cause the trouble that you keep saying I do. And so I started going down like a rebellious path of, well, if I'm going to get in trouble for something that I never even did, or you're accusing me of being somebody so awful, then maybe I should just go try some of those things and, you know, show you, which was stupid, but it mean, I was a kid. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah, but that I proved itself to be poor choices on my part. Um, I'm going to say the big the big thing that changed being in a body cast makes you stop. It's like COVID makes you stop and think, and you have nothing else you can do. <laughs> so um, I read a lot of books and I wanted to believe they were true. Uh, that was one thing that helped me change the big, the second thing that helped me change a lot was back then they were doing a lot of that suburban urban integration. So I was the, you know, the kid in the city who had to take a bus into school on the RTS bus <laughs> and um, and I got to meet kids from the suburbs and I got to be friends with them and I went to school without walls shout out to school without walls I love school without walls um, and now the you know I met people from all over that were really talented and interesting and I saw there were so many other ways to live not just our way and then I realized my goodness I could have a life like that if I just like do really well in school and apply myself and work hard and, you know, honestly maximize my looks. I mean, I mean, I just realized society rewards you if you are a hard worker and you, you know, dress nicely and look the part that they will give you opportunities. And not that I got any real opportunities. I had to work really, really hard, but I saw the potential in it. And I'm fortunate that I, I'm in a culture I fit into, if that makes sense. (laughs) You know, I'm, no, that's fascinating because they do say, I mean, we know it to be true that you're, you start to assume your environment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when you get out of your bubble, and I will admit, I'll raise my hand and admit, I, I kind of like to stay in my bubble. Like COVID has totally made me more of an introvert than I <laughs> knew I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you start to spread your wings and go out to see how other people are living in the mindset of what are their thoughts? That was probably eye-opening for you. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. And and then I realized when I saw uh, my girlfriend, I became really good friends with someone in high school and her mom was so, so talented and she was a, she taught dance and she was so expressive and creative and loving and affirming. And uh, I, I'm not saying that my mother wasn't that way. She just shouldn't have the same resources. You know, she was really overwhelmed with raising kids by herself and um so it was a different environment but when I saw that I was like wow I want to be like more like that I want to I that's something really cool that I didn't even know that um 
somebody could teach. She taught dance out of the house. Like she had a cool dance studio. And I was like, and look at me, I'm an entrepreneur that has worked out of my house. <laughs> so it's just opened your eyes to something that you don't realize yeah. is available. And then translating into the mindset of food, because I know this is such an important subject for so many people. Um, you know, it's a struggle. Yeah. It's a struggle. How, yeah, I know I need to eat healthy. I know I need to. Yeah. How do I change that mindset? How do you change that mindset with your, uh, you know, when you wrote the book, Mind Over Platter? So, yeah. And here's the thing with, with it's about everything, but when it comes to your body and yourself, the real trick, which nobody would buy the book, but the real trick is you're going to learn to love and accept yourself exactly the way you are. Like not, not wait till you lose weight. It's like saying, I'll wait till I'm rich and then I'll like, I'll be happy. We, we, the big thing in life is to learn is to love and accept who we are, to be comfortable with where we are. The journey is actually the part, the biggest part of this is the journey. And if you don't embrace the process and learn to love elements of the process, you actually miss out on your life. And you know, what, what I learned from that experience of losing, I, I thought if I can learn, take what I learned in neurolinguistics and hypnosis and coaching, and I could use it to manage my weight, I can help other people. But first I had to go to come from, but you know what, I'm okay the way I am, I'm not broken. I always felt broken, I always did. And I had to accept that maybe I'm not broken, maybe I'm fine the way I am. And the worst thing that happens is I carry around some extra weight, but I better eat healthy and be healthy so that I can be around a long time for my kids. The other thing that's what say to me, you say, what's the big aha moment? I'm sure you, you know, most people relate to this. The biggest motivator for me to do the difficult work I had to do to change, to really change was having that baby girl. <laughs> when I had my little baby girl, I never wanted her to experience what I experienced. I wanted the cycle to break. And I knew that that meant I had to be I uh, had to do the inside work on me. I could say the things she needed to hear, but I actually had to start doing it on me because I didn't want her to ever tolerate, you know, toxic relationships or dysfunction or the things that were just part of my normal, um, what was normal to me didn't, was never going to be normal for her. And I didn't know how to be that person until I learned how to change my internal programming. You had to practice what you preach. Yeah. Yeah. So the weight comes yeah. off I and mean, it came off. It took a year, but I say, Hey, I kept it off for 20 years. So 30 pounds came off and kept it off and it's worth it. And then I do the same thing with everything else. I use the same template with money, with relationships, with everything. We start with our, our belief system. So how did you, because you didn't grow up just like a lot of people, they didn't grow up being taught the lessons that we should be taught. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in school today, they're not teaching the lessons that we should be teaching our kids about money. So what was it for you? What was the struggle? What was that moment where you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta take control over here. Mm -hmm. Sure. I didn't, I guess my, I didn't have a big aha moment with money okay. until I got myself into some serious debt. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, you know what? This is a, this is not the right path. You know, I made some important, then I, my big shift with that was, you know, what if I believe something else that I, that I deserve to have an abundance of money and that I don't, uh, that I'm that I'm smart with money. That, that was a good belief for me. What if I believe I'm wise with my money? I didn't believe I was, <laughs> but I said, what if I start doing that? And what would that person do? How would that person behave? And that's when I started like shifting with the home-based business and paying off my debt and saving money. 
um, you know, helping other people with their beliefs about money. Was so how long did it take you? How much are you are you comfortable telling us how much debt you were in, and then how long it took you to pay it off? Ooh, that one was rough. <laughs> sure, let's talk about that. <laughs> that <was rough. laughs> yeah. Um, well, at one point, I was you know I was in tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Okay. All right. I was. So if anyone's listening, who's there? It's okay. Rosa was there too. Oh, and she's yeah. doing just fine today. Okay. I actually don't talk about it very often. So that's, this is good. Cause it's something that <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm faith driven. I always say you lead me or open a door and I'll walk through it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was in debt really heavily and, um, I was working on, uh, you know, a pro a, it was, it was a combination of things, poor choices. And, and then the recession hits, and, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, uh, this is actually where I guess maybe my big aha came because my ex-husband lost his job in, during all the layoffs that they were doing. And I knew that meant nothing about negative. I'm not making a judgment about my ex-husband. I'm just saying I knew what that meant that I probably wouldn't be getting child support for a while. <laughs> and so I uh, <laughs> wanted to create a... Um, a life where I didn't depend on anyone else for finances. Uh, yeah. If something happens, it's out of my control. And I will say this, this is just my nature, but if you've read my book, you'll know it. I'm a very codependent person. I was raised by, I'm like an adult uh, child of an alcoholic. I married an alcoholic. I've you know been raised by alcoholics. So I knew that I had to stop having, I wanted to be completely removed from this dependency on other, even though I tend to take mm -hmm. care of other people, I wanted it to be where I'm financially independent. And this yet was another cycle I needed to break. So if everyone yeah. around me changed, I'd still be financially fine. That's when I got a traditional job, to be honest with you. I humbled myself as an entrepreneur and got a job. And I knew that getting a job and having consistent revenue because I had some really great gigs that would pay me really well to be a trainer or people that would hire me to be their coach. Um, but I knew a job would give me security, would get that baby girl of mine into college because that's what I didn't want. I didn't want her to be stressed about, you know, she was smart and she wanted to go to college and I wanted her to. Um, and I realized consistent revenue would take me further than up and down revenue. And, you know, I, and I was frankly burning out of that piece of it. And so that I worked in a tradition and a real, I loved it in career management. And it was a great gift because it was a blessing because I met the most sweetest people on earth. I got to work with the most wonderful people. I made a difference in my community. I helped a lot of people and, um, and it took almost, this is, I'm, it's embarrassing, but it is, it took almost 10 years to pay off all that debt. <laughs> you shouldn't be embarrassed. And you know what? I appreciate you being so candid and honest and open about it. But I think it's very important because I think there is a stigma like, uh oh, I don't have my finances together. I should be embarrassed by it. Why? Why? Yeah. Nobody taught us yeah. the right way. That's why we have this show. That's why. Thank you so much for talking about it, because you chipped at it. That's fine. It took you 10 years. Good for you. Yeah. Success. I wish I had some wine right here. We can cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody else?
else who's struggling, it's okay. Yeah. Don't be embarrassed because I feel like, and I don't know, you tell me when you're in that moment that you do look at your, your bank and you're like, oh God, and you almost feel ashamed, then that's when you shut down and either A, put it aside and ignore it. B, don't ask the questions you should be asking because you, you feel silly asking the questions that you probably should have known the answers to in your mind you're saying this. And then nothing moves forward. You don't get to the point where you are today, where everybody should be, where they're like, okay, I got it. Yeah. So I think it's motivating to talk openly about it. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I'll, I'll tell you one of the, the head games I played, the mind shifts I did during that time, because the phone's ringing and someone's telling you you owe them money and it's a painful memory, right? Well, I, I distanced the memory, <laughs> but at the time it was really, really ugly. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's what I did. I took, oh, you probably can't see it because I got a virtual background. I took a post-it note, right? Yeah. That guy that would call me, let's say his name was Chris. Rosa, like you're behind on this payment. And I'm like, I'm trying to work it out, Chris, blah, blah, blah. I wrote on my post-it note, Chris called, pay, you're paid in full. It was a pleasure doing business with you. <laughs> I wrote no, post-it notes and put them around everywhere. My, my desktop, if someone went up to my desk at work, they wouldn't know what in the world were these post-it notes. <laughs> they, were, they were to remind me that it was going to be okay. The other thing oh. I did is I made affirmations for myself. Like, like I, I, I'm, I always have an abundance of money. And I'm completely free of, you know, everything's been paid in full. And I would say it over, go over again. And the third thing I did, which you'll really like, is I'd play every morning because I wake up bummed. I'd think about this and it would overwhelm me. And this is the same thing with weight, same thing with anything. You don't want to get out of bed because you beat yourself up about what you didn't do right. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'd think about these things, right? And the, I'd immediately I'd do my affirmation. I'd look at my post-it notes and then I'd play a song that really got me excited that made me feel powerful and successful. So you just almost kind of role-played in your mm -hmm. mind in a way mm -hmm. that you were already at the finish line yeah. where you wanted to be. That's the trick. And the, and the real job now when you do this is to con always remember to swap, to swap out the feeling. So when the negative feeling shows up, because it's going to, you have to have little, little triggers. Like, you know, here's one of my triggers, Victor. I have a picture of Victor. It's like a trigger. That's how you change your mindset is you have to have these triggers on purpose to swap it out. When you feel that negative wave, you go, okay, I know you're here. Thank you. I know you're trying to protect me. I know you love me. Now let's look at what we really want. Cause we just now like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I call it Trixie. Okay, Trixie, enough. Oh, you named it. Okay, I <laughs> love that. All right, Trixie, out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so now you now you're back in the world of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So you were an entrepreneur, went corporate. Why did you go back? Why? Because you did mention that the job gave you the stability. And there's a lot of people now. I think there's statistically, I think it proves that there's been a surge of people who are interested in this. Let me work for myself kind of mindset because of COVID and whatnot. Why do you like this world better than the traditional job employer? That's a great question. Uh, I wish I, I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I obviously know I'm an entrepreneur because I say to myself, if you would just be happy in a traditional job, life would be easier, girl, <laughs> be a lot easier for you. 
it's more work. I teach a class on being your own boss and um, uh, different workshops about entrepreneurship and start, and what you're getting yourself into. And I really do think you know, entrepreneurs are a little bit more wired differently. We like that independence. I have to say, having having the grandkids made me realize I don't want to exchange time for money. I want more time. So that was a big one. I, I always was planning on going back to entrepreneurship. I just expected it to be in a few years. I didn't know I'd fall in love with the job and the people and, and the work. So I'm fortunate that I, I got to do that. And it allowed me to save money and to invest you know, my money and to uh, prepare for the next chapter, which is kind of ironic. I went full circle. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of cool. Um, and the other piece of this is, because I, I always say to people, don't just quit your day job. I still actually am connected to, to Russia Works, where, where my day job was. I still work for them part-time and I love it. I'm, I'm, I get to teach and do the parts I love, but I have the freedom to do my other my business. And I frankly don't need, you know, the same revenue I used to need. So I could be successful doing it my way without knocking myself out, if that makes sense. <laughs> You've been so awesome. Coffee with Coach Rosa. How often do you do those uh, daily chats on Facebook? Usually this week, now, for some reason, I didn't do it this morning, probably it's an early morning, typically during the week. So week mornings okay. on Facebook. It's Mind Over Platter is if you went to the direct URL, but it's Rosa Smith Montanero if you wanted to look up my name. Okay. You didn't roll your R there, Rosa. It's your own name. Okay. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much. You've been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have you ever taken the time to explain what taxes are to your kids? Or do you find yourself just complaining about taxes? Grab a chair. We take a seat at the kids' table next. Welcome to the Kids Table. Take a seat at the Kids Table. Susan Beecham is already here. She is the founder of Money Savvy Generation, helping us teach our kids the valuable money lessons that they are not learning in school. So today we talk about tax day. Now, when we recorded this with the kids, that day was April 15th, but they pushed it back. Thank yeah. you, government. Um, so what does tax day mean to the kids? Do they think they pay taxes? Let's ask the kids what they think. And then Susan, if you could help us teach our kids about uh, taxes. What does April 15th tax day mean? When the government takes your money. Do you pay taxes? Um, no, because I'm a kid, but I think your parents have to pay taxes for you. Do you pay taxes? When do you start paying taxes? That's what I'm asking you. No, I'm asking you. Do you pay taxes? No, I don't, but <laughs> taxes are paid for me, I think. I don't even know. Do you pay taxes? No, because I'm a kid. I'm still in second grade and I'm in school. So my parents have to pay the taxes for school and all the and what they work for. So what are taxes then? Taxes are more like like you're paying off money because like every tax day you have to pay off money mm. so you can't get like a little bit too much. <laughs> so you have like still the rate that you can still buy stuff at. Why do we pay taxes? Pay taxes because the government runs on taxes. I think, <laughs> I don't even know. But you pay them not just on April 15th. You pay them whenever you buy something or whenever you get a paycheck 
Ah, so you do pay taxes then. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. All right, Susan. This is probably a conversation not many of us parents talk to our kids about because we hate to talk about taxes. (laughs) Well, and it's not a conversation most kids are engaged in, to be honest. And even though the government did push that date back, that doesn't mean they're not going to take their full share of taxes. Mm. So understanding in four minutes, just a little bit about taxes, understanding what our taxes do for us, I think helps kids appreciate why taxes are paid in the first place. So our local library is supported by our taxes, our local parks, state taxes, national parks, federal taxes, Yellowstone Park, the the space program, the airports we go to, uh, that we used to go on vacation, the highways that we use to take our driving vacations, buses, schools, money for people who've been through a natural disaster. Just like right now, all of the talk about the support um, the government is giving to the American people to pay their rent, to put food on the table. The police, the fire department, the court system, the National Guard, taxes to plow your streets after a snowstorm. This is why the federal government and the state government takes money out of your paychecks to take care of all the things we kind of take for granted. Now, see, that's a very positive spin on taxes, Susan. Is it? <laughs> is No, a lot of us parents are like, I always complain about taxes. I never spin it on the positive like you just did. Is that bad? No, it's not bad because I haven't talked about how big a chunk. (laughs) Oh, okay. We're getting to the point. Okay. (laughs) Right. Right. But if you at least can appreciate that these taxes, there is some good that's done with them. There are two kinds of taxes I want to talk about real quickly. There's three actually. There's federal taxes, state taxes, and then there's social welfare taxes. There's a lot more taxes we could talk about, but let's just get those straight. So the federal government comes in and takes money out of our paycheck to take care of programs we all benefit from on a federal level. And that's like Yellowstone Park, the space program. The state takes taxes from our check for local programs like the local I'm sorry, the local uh, parks, the local libraries. And one of the ways you experience state tax is through sales taxes. Every time you purchase something, you're paying a tax, a state sales tax, unless you're in one of those states that doesn't have it. So the third kind of tax I want to touch on is the social welfare taxes. Um, That's Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, All those are things that we call safety nets for people who retire and still need money to live, for people who are sick and can't afford um, the healthcare that they need. Because as you get older, you seem to need more healthcare. So taxes are a way for people, for all of us to chip in and help pay for the things that we rely on to help us live a good life throughout our life. That's still very positive, Susan. I was looking for the, <laughs> all right, I'll go with it. I'll be more positive about taxes when I talk about it with my kids. When I see the tax bill, I will not complain. 
and say they could possibly be uh, misusing my money. <laughs> um, well, and you know, kids are all, it's such a good point, Sandy, because kids are all going to hear this at home. They are going to hear, they are not going to hear much good about taxes. I put my money down on that. They're going to hear about people working really hard and feeling like a big chunk of what they earn goes to the government. And I'm just suggesting that we think about doing without all these things. We couldn't, right? We couldn't get to our jobs if we didn't have good roads. We have to have good public schools. Of course, we could go to private schools, but we'd have to pay for that too. So, you know, the money's going to come out of our pockets one way or the other (laughs) is kind of the way I look at it. And yes, it could be less. um, But until we can personally impact that, we have to take a look at both sides of the tax issue and see where it benefits us and how it makes our life a better life, a better quality of life. See, that's why you're here at the kids' table. And that's why I'm not talking to the kids. No. (laughs) All right, Susan, how can we uh, find you and follow you? And I know you have a lot of resources on your website to help parents. Yeah, please go to either my blog at susanbeecham.com or go to our website where there are a lot of tools that we've created that can help you have a real meaningful conversation with your kids about money. And that's at moneysavvy.com. Perfect. Thanks, Susan. You're welcome. If you ever have a question that you want us to answer in No Dumb Questions, just reach out. If you have someone in mind you want me to try to get on the show, just let me know. Or if you need help talking to the kids about money, this podcast is for you. Reach out anytime. You have a great weekend. We raise a glass and we say cheers to being financially confident women. <laughs>